Welcome to America Can We Talk? I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Thank you for tuning in. Today, we're going to talk about Trump as sage elder statesman, Donald Wass, Second Amendment advocate, um, excuse me, Daniel Wass, Second Amendment advocate joins me, uh, FBI and DOJ, the ongoing assault, Representative Scott Perry, and no Senator Scott, no more. Let's let this play out. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. Hello again, and welcome to America Can We Talk and today, to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I want to remind you about something I mentioned to you yesterday, and we're initiating something on this show starting on Wednesdays, not today, but a week from today. I get commentary from people saying, why don't you take calls? I wish I could call into the show. We don't have that capacity, but I will dedicate the second half of the Wednesday shows, Wednesday starting at 3.30 Central Time, to questions emailed to me. So if you'd like to email a question in, email me at AmericaCanWeTalk at gmail.com and put in the subject line, question for Debbie's show. And I will accumulate those questions and answer them because I do get too many emails. I can't answer them all, but I'd love to try to answer your questions on the show. But the first five today, I called it Trump as sage elder statesman. Before I play the clip I want to play, I want to mention to you that I'll remind our listeners that I previously have done uh, Fox News political analysis, a national political analysis, did it for a long time. There are many, many interviews I did during 2015 and 2016 where I said Donald Trump will never win the Republican primary for the presidency. And the reason I said that is because I did not think he presented as a statesmanlike demeanor. He, I, I didn't. I was not behind his candidacy for the presidency in 2015 or 2016. I, uh, we happened to support Ted Cruz. I'm a Texan and you know, I know the family and I was very excited he ran. So I am not Donald Trump from the outset, you know, absolutely sycophant, big supporter. However, when he won the primary, I'll tell you, 40 years that Donald Trump served as president of the United States, he offered more statesmanlike leadership than any leader I can remember in modern history. Literally, he was willing to say many, many things that the American people didn't know, didn't hear candidates uh, speaking about at all. He was the brave one. He was the outspoken one. And the other great thing about his presidency was he caused the American people for the very first time, he caused the American people to understand he uncovered what had been occurring in Washington under the uniparty, whatever you want to call it, deep state uniparty, 
the American people were awakened, many of us for the first time to recognize how much the government in Washington, D.C. was functioning kind of on autopilot, not really listening to the people, not really responding to the people's votes, not responding to the president's initiatives, and how many in the deep state and the higher levels of bureaucracy and basically every agency had their own agenda and weren't listening to the people. He exposed for the world the whole notion of how leftist the American government had become, why they, we had had a basically uh, nearly unenforced southern border for a long time, starting at least under the Obama administration. Many, many truths or realities about America came to the attention of the American people because of the Donald Trump candidacy and his presidency. He is at the same time, before I play this clip, and I mean this label, I call him elder statesman. I want to mention to you something that he also meant and is very, very important to understand. Donald Trump elevated to America's consciousness, again, the idea that America is a good and noble and extremely important, unique, great nation. That we had been under kind of leftist assault America had been under leftist assault for decades, unknowingly having the idea of America denigrated in our public schools, denigrated certainly in left-wing academia, denigrated by many in Washington who worked very hard to uh, minimize or diminish the American people's belief in their country. In that way, Donald Trump is very much like Ronald Reagan. You know, he ran on his morning in America again. We don't have to live under these lunatic policies uh, that hurt America so much under Jimmy Carter. Donald Trump ran on the idea of reinstating and reinvigorating among the American people love of this country. That is what he did. And so for many people, myself included, I didn't care for his demeanor, his manner of speaking during the campaign. I came to recognize he really emerged at a time in America when America needed a strong leader. Two last points. Many people, even great, wonderful uh, Republican voting people I know, men and women, will say, you know, I know he had good policies, but I don't like to listen to Donald Trump. I, I can't listen to him. I don't want to hear his voice. I don't care for the manner he speaks. And so they turn away from him, even though they recognize his policies practically rescued America, did rescue America from this socialist you know, steam engine barreling down the track, which is what Obama and his some of his predecessors put in place. Trump rescued us from that. And so I want to urge you, if you, as you listen to this clip, what Donald Trump had to say, I think he make, made among most significant statements about where we are in America today in 2022. If you're one of those people who says, well, I don't like to listen to Donald Trump. I don't like his voice. Pretend you're listening to what he has to say in the voice of Ronald Reagan or in the voice of Thomas Sowell or in the voice of Clarence Thomas, of any of the great extraordinary patriots we all respect and love and revere. If your problem with Donald Trump is that his, his manner of delivery is too, you know, I grew up in New York, so it doesn't bother me, but his manner of delivery was too confrontational or too some other way too harsh. Tune that out, the voice, and listen to the message because what he is saying about America is extremely important. Last point before we go to playing this clip by Donald Trump. It was a statement he released yesterday, I think from Mar-a-Lago, wherever he released it. It was a statement they released yesterday. During the Civil War, President Lincoln got complaints about uh, Ulysses S. Grant, the famous general who was 
you know, a, 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 an enormously important statesman. President Lincoln got complaints about him and they said he's crass, he's a womanizer, he drinks too much, he's foul-mouthed. And so these people said to Lincoln, he can't be leading the Union troops. He can't do that. That is, you know, he makes us look so bad. And Lincoln said the same thing I will say about Donald Trump. I cannot spare this man. He fights. That's why Donald Trump has engendered the millions of the support of millions of people, because he will stand up for the idea of America, regardless of what the left has to say about him. So now I want to ask uh, Emilio, first of all, thank Emilio and Real News PR for carrying this show while I'm on vacation out in California. I'm quasi-vacation. I'm still doing the show. It's like half vacation. I appreciate them carrying the show and making it happen even out, out here in California. Um, and I ask you, please, Emilio, to play the first clip, Donald Trump's statement yesterday. We are a nation in decline. We are a failing nation. that has the highest inflation in over 40 years, where the stock market just finished the worst first half of a year in more than five decades. We are a nation that has the highest energy cost in its history, and we are no longer energy independent or energy dominant, which we were just two short years ago. We are a nation that is begging Venezuela and Saudi Arabia, a nation that surrendered in Afghanistan, leaving behind dead soldiers, American citizens, and $85 billion worth of the finest military equipment in the world. We are a nation that allowed Russia to devastate a country, Ukraine, killing hundreds of thousands of people, and it will only get worse. We're a nation that has weaponized its law enforcement against the opposing political party like never before. We've never seen anything like this. We're a nation that no longer has a free and fair press. Fake news is about all you get. We're a nation where free speech is no longer allowed, where crime is rampant like never before, where the economy has been more than in 2020. We are a nation that is allowing Iran to build a massive nuclear weapon and China to use the trillions and trillions of dollars it's taken from the United States to build a military to rival our own. We are a nation that over the past two years is no longer respected or listened to all around the world. And we are a nation that is hostile to liberty and freedom and faith. We are a nation whose economy is floundering, whose stores are not stocked, whose deliveries are not coming, and whose educational system is ranked at the bottom of every list. Folks, I want to play that because I think that what Donald Trump had to say in that in those remarks, and we're going to close up my little longer than five, first five, but what he had to say in those remarks, whether you love him or hate him or voted for him or didn't vote for him, he really, nothing in what he had to say is factually disputable. Nothing is, is under question. Everything he presented are facts. 
as I've talked to you about in this show, understand the decline of America is happening at the hands of today's left, happening at the hands of the Biden administration and the many people who are under the Biden administration and doing his bidding. And this is the same administration. This is the same Biden who served under President Obama as vice president for eight years. We are watching a leftist takedown of America, destruction of America's freedom. What Donald Trump had to say in those remarks, whatever you think of him, understand nothing that he said can be disputed factually. It's where we are as a nation. You have to ask yourself why. Why would this be okay with you? Why is it okay with anyone in America to watch the destruction of America at the hands of the Biden administration? And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. I mentioned at the start of the show, we have a guest joining us. He's joined us in the past. Um, he is joining us via Skype because uh, he's not out here in California or anything. So he's uh, joining us via Skype. Uh, Daniel Wass, he's a Second Amendment advocate, and he's joined the show before uh, because he does a lot of public speaking and does videos and writes books um, advocating for the Second Amendment. But this morning, getting ready for this interview, I also listened to a video he had recently posted, uh, which talks, got, I mean, he's always very thoughtful, but it got really uh, more deeply into the question of how does the government work in trying to turn the American people against law-abiding citizens, denigrating them, mocking them, turning Americans against them so that these arguments about the Second Amendment being destroyed or eviscerated by planned legislation, that they even resonate. So it's a, it's a deeply thoughtful video. I'll play a little bit of, you, of it for you. But first, I welcome to the show, Daniel Wass. Hi there, sir. Okay, so I guess he has himself muted. Now we, there we go. Debbie, <laughs> Debbie, thanks for having me on the show. Sorry about that mute. <laughs> no it's problem. Great talking to you. <laughs> Great talking to you, sir. Appreciate your being available to talk today. And as I mentioned, uh, I was playing a, a clip earlier today. I think it was from, I'm not sure which of the websites, Ammo Land, I think it was. Um, but you were making some points before we get into the Second Amendment and what the Supreme Court did and what you're uh, doing now. Uh, you've written, I should also say you've written some books uh, related to the Second Amendment. And I think I mentioned this to you before. As a person who grew up in a household where nobody had guns, we, we didn't ever, my dad wasn't a hunter, we just didn't do that. You know, I was uh, sympathetic to some of the arguments about the Second Amendment uh, as being too stridently enforced and there's danger and guns are used by bad people. And I way uh, changed course on that as I watched what's happening to America and as I really literally went through law school and began to understand the importance of the Second Amendment. But I love that you speak up about the importance of the Second Amendment, which I will get to. But let me just start with, you started talking in this ammo land clip um, about the idea that tyrannical governments get their power and get people behind them by creating narratives and then creating enemies uh, that the people then follow along with. And I don't know if you can quickly summarize that argument, but it was a great point, I think, relating to how our government today turns people against the Second Amendment. Well, we don't. if we go back to, you know, the, when Hitler reached his uh, pinnacle of power, uh, what he did was he controlled the narrative. There was one one or two outlets for uh, news, and that was it was controlled by him. And so you only saw what he wanted you to see. And then he, he used that propaganda and that power to demonize his opposition and turn. And not only that, but the, the most important thing and the most heinous thing is that the way he manipulated people to support him was really 
was really crafty and, and interesting because you, we see that now with the Democrats. So there are people who just can't think for themselves and they follow along with the popular narrative. And the popular narrative is usually on CNN or MSNBC or one of those outlets. Um, Hitler did exactly what the Democrats are doing right now. Um, and nobody's really talking about it. I don't know why they're not talking about it because it's pretty obvious. Um, and they're doing it with respect to Donald Trump. They're doing it with uh, respect to our gun rights. Um, the idea that they, they need 87,000, uh, you know, IRS agents uh, to, to watch every penny that you make. You know, these are all things that, that Hitler would have done too. Yeah, you know, your point, um, I, I, I love this, and your point about how Hitler functioned, and not just Hitler, but other people in history, when they wanted to gain tyrannical power, they had to divide the people. They had to get the people divided, pitted against each other, and many of the people being convinced to fear other people in society, and it is exactly what the Democrats do now. It's a massively apparent divide and conquer. Um, and on the subject of the Second Amendment, though, I think that for people who are um, not you know, didn't come from a background where their family used guns or talked about guns very much. You know, it's an e they're easy prey because you say, well, look at this horrible school shooting, which, and they are horrible, of course, or hor any other kind of mass shooting. And it's very easy to say, well, let, let's just, the answer has to be take away guns and to uh, stigmatize or attack gun owners. And it's a pretty easy argument. You make a little sure. point, one point, which you had to say was something about for people who really won't think which is exactly what the problem is, that they get led along by narratives and bullet points and slogan yeah. slinging, and then they aren't analyzing. But you're an ardent advocate of the Second Amendment, so why is that? What is, why is it so important to you? Well, I guess the reason I'm such, such an advocate for the Second Amendment is because at one time I wasn't. At one time, I was kind of anti-gun. I was what you might call hanging with the wrong crowd, and that wasn't it. wasn't bank robbers and drug dealers. It was anti-gun liberals, and that stuff got in got into my head, just like it does with a lot of people. This is how I understood the narrative being so powerful. But then it it took an incident in my life when you know when it was time to be able to protect myself and my wife when I was ill-equipped. And with, with an anti-gun uh, mindset, and in that moment, I realized that, wait a minute, I'm thinking about this all wrong. My first priority is to protect my family, and the Second Amendment affords me the ability and the right to do that, and I'm throwing that away, and I don't understand why. So it was, a, it was an awareness moment for me, uh, which led to this real in-depth understanding of how easily people can be manipulated to to fear guns and hate gun owners. And it's all propaganda. And I talk about it in my book, Good Gun, Bad Guy, but the, the, the conditioning and the brainwashing just goes very deep and it's very complex. And there's a lot of moving parts uh, to, to, to create an anti-gun uh, radical. And they're doing it, and partly because we don't understand exactly what they're doing. But I wrote the book, and I wrote the uh, the rule book that they never wanted you to to see. 
I want to mention on that point for our listeners, the, the books to which he's referring, uh, Good Gun, Bad Guy. Um, I'm As I say, I'm out here in California, so I don't have access to my books at home, but I have your, at least I have book one. It's a, it's a three book series, right? Good Gun, Bad Guy. Yeah. I think I have one, but I really want to, to say about that. It's really important as in every other subject in life to be open-minded and understand, especially when there are people with such, you know, strong, that you respect with such strong views otherwise. To add to your point about the reason for the Second Amendment, while I completely agree that the Second Amendment is, is pretty unequivocal, you know, people have the right to keep and bear arms, period, full stop. And the Supreme Court recently confirmed it actually meant you have the right to keep and bear arms. So even in New York, with an effort to have a limitation on or the rule in New York that the Supreme Court just struck down said yet yeah, you had to essentially have a good enough reason for the government to permit you to have a concealed carry gun. And that was putting a condition on your right to keep and bear arms. And the Supreme Court said, no, you can't you can't precondition or qualify people for the right to hold on to, to have their Second Amendment rights. So I, I love that decision. I want to talk about that in one second. But before we get there, I want to make this point. What got me around on the Second Amendment was realizing that the, the uh, framers of our Constitution, the writers of the Bill of Rights, they put the Second Amendment in place to keep the balance of power between the government and the people. That's what it was. It's not because, even to defend yourself or for hunting or sports shooting, whatever reason you have. Uh, but the notion was it was a balance of power. And you think about the time they wrote that, they didn't hadn't just come back from a hunting trip. They hadn't just come back from a skeet shooting contest. They had just had a battle with an oppressive, tyrannical government. And part of what they recognized, or to create a free society and keep people free, they wrote that amendment and the Second Amendment, which I think is very consequential, that that was that important to them. Immediately following the First Amendment guarantee of speech, religion, <laughs> assembly was you got to have the right to guns. And I'd love to have you respond to that before I get off on talking about the other things you've been talking about. But if you want to respond to what I just said, please go ahead. Well, absolutely. I mean, our, our founding fathers saw the tyrants that we're dealing with now coming over 240 years away. And they knew what would happen when certain people get power. And you have to ask yourself, if our founding fathers, like you said, wrote the Second Amendment to remind government that the people have the right to keep arms. why why do you think there's you know or what do you think the people's intentions are who want to take that right away it's 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 obvious to me that the people who want to take your ability well, they can't take your right away a, a right is god-given you can't take that away but they can violate it <clears throat> and they want to violate it because they don't want um their political opposition to have the power and the leverage uh, that the Second Amendment affords us. And, you know, one other thing I want to mention is that it is very easy. You mentioned this earlier. It is very easy to convince people who can't think that guns are dangerous because all you have to do is show them death and destruction and put a picture of a gun in their face. And they instantly, you know, in their minds, they create that that narrative and, and, they're, and they stick with it. But the truth is, when we get down to the reality Guns are used vastly more to save lives than they are to take them. The, the, the anti-gun narrative is the complete opposite of the truth. Um, and, and that's part, one of the things that I try to do is, is explain to people that guns are used, you know, 
up to two and a half million times per year in America defensively to save, potentially save lives. And that doesn't necessarily mean good guys killing bad guys. It most often just means the mere presence of a gun stops the violent act. Um, they don't want good guys to have guns. And you have to ask yourself, why is that? I couldn't agree more. And actually, these are other, the, again, these are arguments I never thought about when I was younger. It's just, uh, I, <clears throat> I don't like violence. I don't want anyone to be hurt. So, you know, it was easy to say, oh, yeah, I'm against guns. But I, the, uh, first of all, the data you're mentioning, I've periodically mentioned on my show, sometimes I feature short stories talking about how, fortunately, for a mom who was home alone with her kids and someone broke in, fortunately, she had a gun. As you say, even just to scare off the intruder, yeah. uh, which is a great solution, or if you have to use it because otherwise your children or your own life are, at, are being threatened, uh, then you're grateful for the innocent person able to defend themselves. So those stories don't get told. They don't get repeated in the media because they go against the narrative. And the other thing I'll say, I'll tie into our next point that I want to play your clip in a minute, but it's always leftists who want to take guns away. I mean, this is true from when Castro came to power in Cuba and he had won the revolution and he announced, hey, now that we've won, people, the people have won, turn in your weapons. And they did. And, and Germany, Hitler collected weapons. Every leftist coming to power in this world takes away the guns from citizens because leftists know their ultimate goal is to control the people, not to govern a free people. They want to control them. And this is so it is why leftists in, throughout history deprive the citizens of their of their own country uh, of the arms that they possess and make it unlawful to possess them. And then it really it, it just enhances to contributes to the capacity of the leftists to control their country. But I want to. OK, so, Daniel, I want to quick play. You had a clip. Uh, and actually, I can't see you, Emilio, but I believe you have a clip that was by Daniel Wass from his ammo land. I did. I shortened a little clip there and had, let's play that. Being labeled militia violent groups are those who use symbols such as the boogaloo flag, the ANCAP symbol, the Punisher skull and warrior culture symbols the black flag and electrical resistance symbols, anything Second Amendment and Moulin LeBay related, including come and take it and the Spartan helmet, the Gadsden flag, the Liberty Tree, and any Revolutionary War imagery. This includes Minuteman imagery used by some Second Amendment <coughs> rights organizations. So who are the real bad guys here? Those who support freedom, the Bill of Rights, and our founding? Or those who are condemning real Americans for expressing their love of America? Notice how we don't see Antifa or BLM imagery in the list of violent extremists, regardless of the fact that during 2020, those groups wreaked havoc across the country when they burned down buildings with people in them, assaulted cops and terrorized the nation, all politically driven and encouraged by Democrats, including Vice President Kamala Harris, who supported a bail fund called the Minnesota Freedom Fund to keep her left-wing criminals out of jail and on the streets. Instead, images of the Revolutionary War are extreme. He who controls the narrative <clears throat> controls the people. Just like Hitler, it would appear Democrats are writing the rules to this twisted modern day game of political vengeance and domination. Okay, I should mention say I introduced that little clip. It was a great video, and for our listeners, the entire video was linked to our website, americachemytalk.org. In a minute, we can ask our guest who was with us today, Dan Wass, to talk about his website. But I meant to introduce me in introducing that to say that recently has come to light through uh, apparently an FBI whistleblower 
provided to Project Veritas a document from inside the FBI in which they have listed the symbols, the FBI itself listed the symbols that they believe or they're claiming are symbolic of or related to violent extremism. As you just heard Daniel Walsh talking about in his video, the many, many conservative symbols are listed as potential violent extremists. So uh, first of all, I made a great point. I don't see BLM and Antifa in there, but what you're really talking about is this narrative carrying that leftists do has actually been embraced by, adopted by the FBI, who is agreeing with this leftist uh, purge of uh, gun owners, purge of, or this attack on gun owners, attack on people who uh, believe in the Second Amendment. I just love to have you elaborate on your reaction to what the FBI has done and how harmful that is. Well, yeah, <clears throat> of course, it's very harmful because these are people who live among us who actually call themselves Americans. And that it's a they're they're shameful people if they are trying to demonize their fellow citizens. So you know, on one hand, you look at it like, <clears throat> well, this, these are pretty horrible people. On the other hand, you realize that you know the vast majority of Americans believe in patriotism, whether the media will portray that or not. The majority of people will not stand for it. So we're at a, a tipping point right now in our society, especially after watching the FBI raid uh, President Trump's house. Um, but we're at a tipping point. And I really believe that the American spirit will rise above these tyrants and the people who support them. And we will uh, regain uh, and re-implement traditional American values and, um, and take back our country, frankly. Um, I think it's going to happen. Um, looking forward, you know, to November, to the uh, the midterm elections. And um, but it is absolutely shameful that there are people living among us who call themselves Americans that would actually try this type of behavior. They're not real Americans. They don't belong here. <laughs> no argument from here. On the FBI, though, I will say I'm glad you made mention of Mar-a-Lago. Part of what the uh, deep concern is among millions of Americans is the idea that the FBI is being used for a political purpose. It is to attack the political <clears throat> enemy of the incumbent president and, and the dominant political party in Washington at this time. It is absolutely being funded by taxpayers and used as a weapon against the American people at Mar-a-Lago. But back to what the FBI, what we all found out about the FBI, their willingness to call only some groups uh, potential violent extremists. Only some groups get that label. And those are people who, I will tell you, we have a come and take it flag up in our home. I mean, we love it. We have a come and take it flag and, and many other symbols that we'll talk about in a minute. But this idea of signaling to the to their entire staff, I mean, the FBI, this is the internal memo that went out to everybody, that these are who you're supposed to distrust. These are suspect people. Um, and, and no mention to the actually violent people um, whose uh, conduct, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, has no rooting in American values. I mean, it's a it's a very dangerous signal to the American people that the federal government is marching right down the path in the form of the FBI, marching right down the path that the uh, leftists who've taken over Washington are marching down. So I, um, I, I'd love that. Any, any last thoughts you have about what Americans should do about that, how, how offensive it is that the FBI chose to literally attempt <clears throat> to criminalize Americans who support the Second Amendment. Well, if we had a, 
uh, a president uh, who who appreciated American values, real American values, this wouldn't be happening with the FBI. So, um, you know, that I mean, that being said, it's they're horrible for doing what they're doing. But America, I, I believe, will rise up um, above this and and they will ultimately these these tyrants in office right now will ultimately be reminded who they work for if they don't end up in jail. I hope they're reminded. I'm going to play a little segment next uh, after we're finished. Um, Ted Cruz, uh, Senator Ted Cruz from Texas, did a brilliant job uh, when he was in the Senate. I don't know when this was. I guess yesterday uh, he was questioning FBI Director Ray about this this memo that we've now all seen. Uh, and honestly, there, there there's no justification for it. So I hope you're right. People will stand up and speak up. So for people to find more about you, because I wanted to actually just take a minute and tell us about. I know we mentioned your books. They're available at Amazon. Uh, Good Gun, Bad Guy. Um, you also ha- do a, a podcast or a, a show at Ammo Land. Uh, tell us quickly how people can find you, learn more about you. Sure. Well, my book series, you can see right over my shoulder. It's the Good Gun, Bad Guy book series. Uh, three book series talks all about the, the inner workings of the anti-gun narrative and how they manipulate, uh, how they uh, transform the way people think about guns in America. So that's goodgunbadguy.com. And I do have a web show. Uh, called the Loaded Mics. Primarily, it's primarily a Second Amendment show, but we do get into politics of the day. The Loaded Mic, so it's loadedmic.com, M-I-C, like microphone. And then I do write um, for Ammo Land. Lots of, lots of great articles keeping you updated on Second Amendment issues, and uh, lots of uh, videos and things like that that we do from our studio here in New York. So you're in New York, and I actually think you said before we came on together today that you're going to be in Texas soon speaking at a function. What is that? Yeah, I'll be speaking at the Gun Rights Policy Conference. Again, it's probably my fourth or fifth time, fourth or fifth year in a row. A big event uh, where patriots from all over the country, Second Amendment supporting patriots from all over the country gather. Uh, We have a huge list of great speakers. Um, I'll be speaking as well. And um, it's just a a real good time for people to get together, embrace the Second Amendment and learn about uh, legislation that's coming down the down the pike and learn about, you know, what we can do to uh, to, uh, you know, preserve our rights. Daniel Wasswell, I will. Uh, first of all, I'm so glad you're available today. I want to thank you, but I also want to commend you because I think a lot of people who uh, aren't as focused on the issue and even some of the defenders of the Second Amendment tend to be just. Uh, absolutist. The Second Amendment says this. I have an absolute right. I don't have to defend myself. But I, you do a great job of trying to explain to people why they should care. Why, even if you're not a gun owner or you're not a, a person who wants to become familiar with guns, wants to use them, what the concept of the Second Amendment is, how important it is to retaining freedom in this country, and ha- really how the government's manipulating people to be turned against gun owners. Uh, in, in the same way they turn people against many others, they don't want them to like. Uh, and and your uh, encouragement of people to think for themselves and think through the issues, understand the issues, understand the facts, such as guns are used far more often uh, to save lives and to take lives, which uh, most people don't know. Uh, so I really commend the thoughtful way you approach the issue. And thank you so much for joining me. Thanks so much, Debbie. Keep up the great work. You're appreciated as well. Thank you. Thank you, sir.
Okay, my friends, I do encourage you to go to their website. Daniel Watts has a great website, uh, and you can definitely learn more about him and at Ammo Land. And as I say, on our website, we link to his most recent video. I think you'd enjoy it. Okay, I'm going to turn my uh, next topic for today, FBI and DOJ ongoing assault, Representative Scott Perry. I got to tell you that a few years ago, I can't remember why I was up in Washington for something or other, I got to meet Scott Perry. He is like the, most, the nicest guy, but he's also the current head uh, in Washington, D.C. He's a member of Congress from Pennsylvania. He's also the current head leader of the Freedom Caucus. And so you had, get the sequence straight, you had, you know, Trump's home, Mar-a-Lago, uh, with a, an FBI uh, search warrant executed at their home. We're going to go into more detail in a moment about that. But a search warrant executed searching his home over alleged documents. I mean, documents that the uh, archives people said they thought were missing. Trump had been cooperating with them, sending documents, you know, just discussing what he had. But this was a, an unprecedented in entirety of American history, a, a current administration, the Biden administration, allowing their FBI, although Biden's claim he didn't know anything about it ahead of time, a lot of speculation about that. I don't believe that, but I, I do believe and the unprecedented thing of having the FBI execute a search warrant on the immediate past president in his home over nothing, uh, I don't think the FBI would have done that without the permission. It's not just with Attorney General Merrick Garland. Uh, it went up the ranks, I'm sure, all the way to Biden or whoever's really running the White House. But what I wanted to get on was, so uh, Representative Scott Perry now, a Republican congressman who happens to head up the Freedom Caucus, he had said in response to what the FBI did at Mar-a-Lago, he had made a statement to the public, and I think it was a tweet or a speech or something, where he basically called for the removal of Merrick Garland, our current um, the uh, attorney general. He called for the impeachment of Merrick Garland. And so, and you know, there are a lot of people who think, yeah, that's a darn good plan. Let's go for that. Let's impeach the guy. I mean, this is Bad enough Merrick Garland was calling parents terrorists if they want to show up at their kid's school and question things. But this guy actually clearly had to have signed off on the FBI. And by the way, the FBI is a subset of the DOJ. For those of you who don't know that, there's the DOJ, the Department of Justice. He's attorney general. FBI is underneath them. That's why it's a bureau. But in any case, Garland signs off on this. So Representative Scott Perry says, you know, actually, uh, we ought to look at impeaching him. We ought to try to impeach him. This is so outrageous. What the FBI did, warn Merrick Garland, hey, hold on to your documents. You would hold on to your documents. So the very next day, Congressman Perry's on vacation, on vacation with his family. And because the FBI can find anyone anywhere via their phone, finds him on, the, on his vacation and literally seizes his phone. I mean, literally confiscated his cell phone. And I know the FBI will probably say it had nothing to do with what Scott Perry said about Merrick Garland. I don't believe that either. But there are many now, many Republicans in Congress who were very, very slow to speak up, very, very slow to condemn the FBI, who are now finally speaking up and saying the FBI is out of control. This is out of control. And the reason, my friends, is because the FBI has become political. It's never supposed to be the instrument of the national law enforcement agencies that is used as the personal hammer by the existing, the current administration, to clobber the previous administration. We talked about this at great length yesterday. We talked about it with Congress and Pete Sessions. This whole concept of rule of law actually means the FBI, 
of all entities and the Department of Justice must be blind justice, not political. And yet, honestly, more and more voices in Washington are now speaking up, recognizing this is a political organization it has lost its what whenever it previously had its high standards of neutrality, blind justice, equal application of the law, uh, same application of law to all, it has lost that, it has become as a political uh, arm, or as one person called it, the KKK arm of the Democrat Party. So Scott Perry's phone is seized, and in a way that's almost worse. I mean, what they did at Mar-a-Lago is really bad. I do have a few more points to share with you about that today. Be and it's not just because, I'm gonna go back to the beginning of my show, it's not just because I think that, that uh, President Trump won the election. He did win in 2020. I think I think millions of Americans know it. But it's because we cannot go down the path of abandoning the blind, the rule of law, equal justice. We cannot go down that path in this country because it ends us in tyranny. It causes us to go over the cliff into some banana republic, third world dictator where the new dictator comes in like Stalin and goes after the previous administration to not just defeat them in an election, but then be sure and destroy their lives, which is what is very apparent the Biden administration is trying to do to President Trump. But with Scott Perry, his involvement with Trump and Mar-a-Lago and, and January 6th and the, is, is not even, it was never even in question. He did speak up. Scott Perry did speak up and say what I told you he said about Merrick Garland, but this is now the FBI saying, nobody badmouths me. Nobody goes after, no one, no one criticizes Merrick Garland. So uh, Scott Perry is saying probably even worse, um, but I want to hit a couple of things about uh, what happened at Mar-a-Lago. You know, I mentioned yesterday that uh, former President Obama had actually also taken many, 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 many documents with him when he left Washington, uh, spent $36 million on legal fees, essentially trying to protect himself uh, because he wanted his documents kept secret, took documents with him after he left office, had the same kind of interaction with the um, archives, the National Archives were saying, and hey, we think you took some things you shouldn't have taken. No FBI raid, no FBI raid, no embarrassment, no nothing, nothing happened. But this is again, this, this witch hunt against Trump. And I go back to what I said in the opening five, the first five. It's not the left, and I want you to ask yourself this. I'm gonna answer, tell you my answer. Why is it the left, the, the Democrat party, the media mob that just is an echo chamber to America's anti-American left, why do they hate him so much? Why? why? I mean, he, they claim they got their guy in office. Biden's in office. You know, he's running the place, running the country to the ground, but he is running the country. Why is it they're so determined to go after him, to send the FBI into his home at Mar-a-Lago to look for largely inconsequential, allegedly missing documents, which Cash Patel has previously said everything that Trump had in Mar-a-Lago was either already not confidential, it had already been uh, declassified, um, or otherwise he had permission to have it. So the FBI goes here, and to understand what they did, because the reason I want to mention this too is this search wasn't just by the FBI, uh, just to find some documents articulated uh, in, these, in the search warrant. They spent hours going through Melania Trump's closet and uh, her private clothing. 
I mean, just this is a this is a search warrant that went on and on and on. It went on for hours and it was, you know, if you're searching for documents, you don't need to be looking in Melania Trump's underwear drawer. You don't need to. But that's what they did. This was a attempt to humiliate and also attempt to send a message. We can do anything we want. You're not present anymore. We're with the, the, the mob left that now runs this country and we'll do anything we want and you cannot do a thing about it. And so you have many, many people in the country very, very concerned about how far the FBI will go. I mean, how far they will do. And there are people talking. I want to mention two really, really important points. One is about what America First Policy Institute is doing about it. And that's a really important thing I'll hit in just a moment. America First Policy Institute did, did a great thing. But before I do that, I want to talk about something who's, that's been um, um, about the language we use and when we talk about what's happening. The left tries very hard and you'll hear many news commentators say, oh, America is deeply divided. We're near civil war. It's civil war. And I want to tell you, my friends, I don't think that's wise language to use. I would agree that there are people very upset in the conservative side who can't figure out what to do to get the, the federal government back on track. They can't figure out what to do in response to the chaos created by the Biden administration and policy after policy after policy. They can't penetrate in Washington, get the January 6th committee to stop engaging in the behavior that they're engaging in. They, they can't figure out what to do. And so they're frustrated. But civil war, that term, implies we're a 50-50 nation. No, I, I do not. That, that's not true. I, I, it's just as sure as I'm sitting here looking at you and talking to you, America is not 50-50. Trump won that election in 2020 overwhelmingly. And he won it because the people could see all of what he exposed about the deep state sliminess in Washington. And because it had a renewed sense of love of America and the idea of America being honored, America first, this was a brilliant and exactly precisely meaningful slogan that the Trump team chose, America first and make America great again. The people got behind that. The people believe in America. I am telling you, a vast majority of Americans do not like what they're watching. They do not like how the FBI is behaving and they do not like the idea that they feel powerless about it. But when you say civil war, number one, it applies 50-50. It sounds like it's 50-50. But the other really important thing to understand is if, as I and millions of others believe, that the 2020 election was stolen, we are really living under an unelected uh, word to say, you know, I mean, an unelected government. We did not choose the policies or the person. We didn't choose the Biden team to run this country. It's like we're an occupied country. We're living in an occupied country at just the same as if China had invaded and installed a government in Washington. And we said, wait a minute, we didn't pick you. We don't want to be, uh, we don't want the Chinese government being in charge. When the left took control in 2020 and stole the election, they installed, they were living under an installed government. We're living under unelected. We are living under an occupied, an occupied government. And therefore, 
standing up for truth, standing up for what's right, standing up to try to expose election fraud, standing up to expose the politicization of the of America's national law enforcement in, in, in organizations, DOJ and FBI. This is not uh, this is not the people standing up are not the troublemakers. They're not the insurrectionists. We are trying to restore the country, remove the occupying force. We're trying to do it through legal means. We're trying to do it through elections. We're trying to do it through public speech. We're trying to do it with a voice of standing up for freedom and standing up for truth in this country. And that's why it's wrong to call it civil war. Civil war sounds like two equally valid parties, you know, like a Democrat versus Republican. It's not that. The people standing up in this country strongly advocating, strongly advocating for the restoration of fair elections, for the removal of people who weren't really elected, for the restoration of a justice system that actually implies blind justice. These are not people engaged in a civil war against people who are their moral equivalents. We're trying to remove an occupying force, which is the anti-American left in Washington today. That's what we're trying to do. And it's noble and it's moral, and it's right, and it must be fought. I am not urging, to be clear, I am not urging violence, but I am urging that every conceivable peaceful step be taken to remove this occupying force in America and restore the duly elected government. So back to what happened at Mar-a-Lago, I will tell you something. I think that the FBI ranks are full of people who know exactly what the truth is. They know that Trump won. They are, they have been they have been captured by the left. They've been they're under the control of the left. They do what their bosses tell them. They do what the FBI uh, Ray tells them. They do what other people tell, tell them to do, but they know it's not right. And they're really, they're in a position where they're going to execute a search warrant totally unjustified. We talked yesterday about the, this judge. I want to go off that story again today, but in a, an absurd judge actually issued an absurdly unqualified judge signing off on the search warrant and FBI agents do what they're told to do. But this is a, they know that where they are right now, that these FBI agents who've been engaged in all this garbage, they know that their careers are in trouble if, if Trump prevails and truth comes out. The Democrats in Washington, I truly believe are running scared. They never thought the American people would stand up and expose and fight and continue to challenge the stolen election. They never thought America would fight it, but we are. They never thought America would challenge the election process, but we are. They never thought America would continue standing up for the January 6th defendants, but we are. They never thought America would continue to criticize and, and just revile the January 6th committee and their utterly grotesque attack on patriots in this country, they never, ever, ever saw it coming. The people on the left who participated in and benefit from the stolen election of 2020, the occupying force, they never anticipated that the American people would stand up. And now they're in the position, they cannot back down. They feel like they can't back down. They're in office, they gotta hold on to office, they're gonna stay there no matter what it takes. And so they're gonna continue down this path of attacking the American people, attacking the former president, because they can't figure out what to do. They're saving their jobs, they're saving their their their, their place in American history. But I wanna, um, a couple of things about Mar-a-Lago. Um, we did have a few members of Congress, Jim Jordan finally spoke up, 
Um, a few, of course, uh, uh, Lauren Boebert spoke up. A few other Americans did. Uh, and there are people starting to talk about what it is that, that occurred and how bad it is. And we'll continue covering this uh, day by day. I'm going to turn a moment and talk about Senator Tim Scott, because he's really representing what we shouldn't be doing. I'll get to him in just a moment, but I'll hit three last points before I get to Senator Scott, three last quick points uh, related to what's occurring. Uh, one is that I said in the beginning, Trump needs to be seen today as our sage elder statesman. I don't care how he talks, if you don't like his manner of delivery, his, how he, his demeanor, Trump is America's elder statesman right now, the one standing up for America. And if you watch, you continue watching all these primaries happening around the country, and there are other ones again yesterday, more primaries happening, the Trump endorsed candidates win. And the reason I think that's important is because what that signals is the American people, they actually do understand what's happening. They understand exactly what's happening. They are going to vote for the Trump endorsed candidates, not because they think Trump, you know, is their sycophants and they just want to uphold him at all costs, because they see Trump as a fighter and they trust Trump to figure out who are the fighters versus who are the establishment, rhino, useless, unhelpful, never will fight Republicans. The people trust Trump to choose the candidates who will fight like he fights. And so they support the people in the primary he chooses to support. Uh, one other uh, thing I'll tell you, there's, I, I could spend a whole show doing these. I'll just do a quick, uh, quick mention of it. Um, more evidence is emerging about election fraud all the time. Tiny little point to tell you, I may get on this more next week, but in Cherokee County, um, Kansas, Cherokee County, Kansas, just yesterday, had to reverse an election result for a county commissioner because, say they, the flash drive flipped the votes. The flash drive. Allow me to remind you, flash drives are inanimate objects. They can't think. They do what they're controlled to do. But they had to admit the flash drive flipped votes and gave the victory to the wrong person. And fortunately, because someone looked into this, okay, sorry, 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 turned out uh, election fraud happened. I mention that because I want to say uh, there's a vital need to recognize election fraud is happening all over this country. Many, 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 many stories I can tell you. But the reason, in part, Trump retains the uh, backing of the American people, the backing of the millions who voted for him, is because so many, certainly on the left, but even among the establishment rhinos in Washington, they won't give credence to the truth that there was massive election fraud. For the most part, Republicans, House and Senate, they just don't want the fight. They don't want to be mocked and ridiculed. They don't want to have their name out there saying, I'm with Trump. We had a stolen election. We got to fix this. They won't do it. They'd rather live with the lie that the occupation of the, by the Biden administration is really actually legitimate government than stand up for truth. That's what is happening. So one last quick thing about Trump and what happened in Mar-a-Lago. I'll do more on this next week. But the uh, think tank, the policy think tank, America First Policy Institute, which is comprised of people pretty much exclusively who work in the Trump administration, coming up with the many, many, many policies they came up with during his tenure that were actually all contributed to the wonderful condition America was left in after the four years of Trump many, many policy leaders. And so they're basically saying, let's take these good policies that worked and make them keep working. So the Trump administration, AFPI, uh, largely um, AFPI is independent from Trump 
and independent from any government entity, but they are comprised largely of Trump team. They actually talk about doing something in response to just wringing your hands uh, after the, the audacious uh, FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago. AFPI um, submitted more than 20, more than 20 Freedom of Information Act, FOIA, Freedom of Information Act requests to the DOJ and the FBI all stemming basically from the uh, raid on Mar-a-Lago getting at and all the communications between DOJ, FBI, and people in the January 6th committee, people in all the mainstream media outlets, New York Times, Washington Post, all those leftists are always trying to bring Trump down. Um, they they asked for a Freedom of Information Act. So I'm, I'm thrilled about that because I think what they're really uh, going to get at is, is exposing how political, in case you didn't think it was political, how political the entire raid was on the um, on Mar-a-Lago last Thursday. Okay, you know what? I had another story, but I can't do it justice today. I don't want to, because uh, I do want to do my um, why it matters in just a moment. I want to tell you the story of what Senator Tim Scott, uh, who is uh, was interviewed at, at great length, um, and he was interviewed about what happened at Mar-a-Lago. And Senator Tim Scott said, essentially, we have to let this play out. He's basically saying, don't complain. Nobody claimed anything bad happened. We're going to look into it. You know, we'll find out. We'll do an investigation. And it's exactly the wrong attitude. If this were the first thing the FBI did that was blatantly political, blatantly anti-conservative, blatantly anti-Republican, blatantly anti-Trump, then maybe you'd say, okay, we'll look into it a little more. But it's not. The FBI has been functioning as an arm of the anti-American left of the Biden, Obama, Marxist cabal running this country for a long time. And there's no reason for Tim Scott, well, he does have a reason, I'll have to share that with you next week. He does have a reason for what he said, but it's not a good reason. But I don't want, I can't play the clip today. I can't give it sufficient time. So, um, and I'm going to contrast it with what Senator Cruz had to say. But before I go to why it matters to you today, so, uh, Mr. Emilio, I can't do my last Why It Matters because I didn't get to that topic. But before I do, I want to mention to everyone listening, I urge you strongly to go to our website, americacanwetalk.org. We have a summit coming up. It is this fall, October 15th in Dallas, a huge, wonderful, uh, just a great, great summit, a collection of literally the top uh, thought leaders, top top. Um, conservative leaders on issue after issue after issue around this country. They're all coming to Dallas. They're all speaking at our summit. It's a Women for Freedom Summit, but men are welcome. Women are welcome. Men are speaking. Women are speaking. It's just a great, great summit. And I urge you to go to our website, buy your tickets. I am so happy to see ticket sales briskly moving along. Would love to have you. You can spend the weekend in Dallas. If you live here, you want to be at our summit, Women for Freedom, on October 15th. Go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, and we'll show you there all about it. So I close the show every day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started with Trump as a stage elder statesman, seven plus years of legacy media propaganda still mesmerize some readers and viewers. Legacy media readers, viewers are taught to see Trump as a monstrous villain, taught so as to actually cringe at Trump appearance or at his voice. And I'm sorry to say this because I don't have that reaction to him at all, but they do. Yet Trump's statements in Mar-a-Lago raid and the aftermath deserve to be read. Trump's video on America in decline deserves to be watched, shared, repeated, and then do it again. 
These are words of an American statesman. The concerns expressed are spot on, right and true. America is in decline and the radical left supported by the communist Chinese, Chinese Communist Party are causing it. Biden's connection to the CCP is right in the middle of all this destruction of America. America may be running out of time to reverse course. Election rigging is proceeding right now. Latest episode in Cherokee County with thumb drives. Thumb drives used to shockingly change an outcome. <clears throat> uh, Mar-a-Lago raid awakened many Democrats. Anyone who loves America should be awake and enraged. Stop the destruction of America. And on the FBI and DOJ ongoing assault on Representative Scott Perry, one day after Congressman Scott Perry called for impeachment of Attorney General Merrick Garland, the FBI uses GPS tracking to find him on vacation with his family and confiscates his phone. People, pretty close to the Stasi. Ask yourself, how is it different? This is, no one may criticize the ruling party. Even the most rabid Trump hater ought to be concerned about the FBI's action against Perry. The FBI is behaving like the strong armed secret police of a totalitarian country that banishes political opposition and recognizes no law and no truth, only power. Utterly untethered to American traditions and laws of due process, fairness, and justice. Truth is not an exaggeration, and it was not even remotely amusing. It is, excuse me, this is not an exaggeration, and it is not even remotely amusing. It is egregious. Every American who loves this country should be outraged and engaged to stop this. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America?